What does it mean to be completely healthy? Welcome to the podcast where you'll find encouraging stories to help us focus on all layers of our health, the mental, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual. I'm Monica Patton, and these are the parts of us. Today's episode, I talked with Otis Washington, Mental Health Service Coordinator of DeKalb County Schools. We discuss why he thinks mental health is still a taboo topic, why parents' emotional health matters in ways we can support our children. Lastly, he explains his passion for mental health awareness within his community. I hope you find this conversation as helpful as I did. Otis, thanks for being here today. Well, thank you for having me today, Monica. So, Otis, you are the Mental Health Service Coordinator of the DeKalb County Schools, and that encompasses a lot of schools, I know. That, so, is, that is correct. I'm sorry. Oh, well, no, that's fine. So, tell us what that means, what that title means, how many schools you're over, because I know there's a lot, and just what your job and role is there. Okay, so my job as a mental health service coordinator is to coordinate mental health services for all the kids in our county schools. Um, Actually, when I first got hired back in 2019, I hired in as a school social worker. Um, But, you know, COVID happened and um, we had kids coming back with a lot of mental illness and a lot of, you know, different issues, you know, with behaviors and things. And so Nathaniel led better. Uh, Mr. Cunningham, um, they really saw a need for more mental health services in the schools. And so they really coordinated and collaborated together, um, you know, and went before the legislator and then came up with a bill for the mental health service coordinator position. And so as of this last bill, we will have a mental mental health service coordinator in every school a district in the state of Alabama, which is a very good thing. Um, and so um, I cover 12 schools. Um, you know, that's all of the Cap County school systems. Of course, Fort Payne has Kayla Magby who covers her schools. Um, and then also there's a school social worker that works with me and Miss Emily Higdon. And there's a school social worker that works with Kayla um um, I'm not for, I can't remember her name. Erin Cagle. Erin Cagle, mm-hmm. that's correct. Mm-hmm. But as far as my job, my job is to collaborate. My job is to work with agencies, mental health agencies in the community to provide services for our kids who have mental illnesses and are struggling. Um, we work with the CAC, which we've had a longstanding relationship with them, you know, of providing services for at risk kids. Um, we work with Limestone also. Um, they provide services for our kids. Also, we've had a relationship with um, the University of Alabama um, to provide psychiatric services for our kids. We do one day a week, which is on Wednesday afternoons, where we have Dr. Jean Poynton, a psychiatrist from the University of Alabama, who does evaluations for us. And the, the wonderful thing about these services is that they accept Medicaid because a lot of our students have Medicaid, you know, because we live in a very rural county and it's really beneficial that kids don't have to travel outside of DeKalb County to get services, you know, going to Madison, going to Jefferson. And I mean, I was just looking at gas prices there. It's $4, you know, a gallon, 405. And so that's really beneficial because if you got a child struggling with mental illness 
and they had to travel to Huntsville or Birmingham, you know, or even Gaston, you know, to get services, then that may not happen. So it's really beneficial to have those services here. Um, we also have um, Dr. Samuel Fleming, who we partner with. He is a licensed psychologist who does evaluations for our kids. Um, you know, he travels up here actually and does the evaluations. Um, his office is going to be located in Gaston. Um, excuse me, I'm sorry. So we have a array of services. And so what I do is I coordinate those services. Um, you know, when we get referrals from the principals, from school counselors, you know, about a kid who's having difficulties in the classroom, whether that's, you know, they're having breakdowns, they're having emotional issues, behavioral issues, you know, even like looking at attendance, you know, sometimes kids are not getting up because they're depressed and can't get up. And so they give us those referrals, you know, we contact the parents and then kind of let the parents know what resources we have and how we can connect them to those resources. So here in all the resources and I feel like just that's so impressive. I think that's maybe unless you've had to tap into that, you don't realize all those are available to you. So that's the beauty of having social workers, especially within our school systems with so many kids and contacts, you know, with so many kids. I mean, y'all see our kids as much as we do as parents or more maybe. So just having those connections and being able to help the families, you know, in need and the kids that is that is awesome. Um, you really are the perfect person to talk to, considering. we, we I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but we're recording today and um, in May, and this is actually Mental Health Awareness Month. And mm-hmm. so talking about mental health awareness, I'm very passionate about it. I know you are as well. When we say mental health, I feel like there's a lot of maybe still some, you know, stigma with that uh that's somewhat still taboo do you think it is do you think it's better and how would you define mental health and do we all need it and is what's good like what makes you in a um what am i trying to say just healthy mentally yes ma'am i I would definitely say there's still taboo and stigma around the word mental illness um, you know, in May being Mental Health Awareness Month, I think the word awareness is making people aware of an issue or a problem or a situation. Um, and with parents, sometimes, you know, no parent wants to hear that my child has mental illness. Well, in most cases, some parents have mental illness because it's genetic. But were they diagnosed? I don't know how many times I've talked to a parent is like, you know, well, I probably have something or dad probably have something, but it was not diagnosed. I can remember growing up, you know, um, you know, in church, you know, when, um, you know, you have we're very faith based in the South. And to have a mental illness is, is almost like to say, well, there's something wrong with me. And people are ashamed to have those titles like to say that I'm depressed to say that I deal with anxiety or I'm ADHD and I can't focus I can't sit still or you know a mother who's had a child and there's postpartum depression there I mean you know let's just be real you know I tell people all the time it's okay not to be okay not okay not to seek answers and seek help and treatment um you know it's like a diabetic who you know refuses to take their insulin you know just because you feel like, hey, listen, I don't need that. I'm going to still eat what I'm going to eat and enjoy life. Well, 
you know, I've seen the results of that and how, you know, destructive that can be. Um, so we have to do a better job of educating people about mental illness. It's a illness. Um, you know, it's nothing taboo about it. It should not be stigmatized. Um, it should be something that we can have open lines of dialogue and communication about. Um, you know, if a child has, you know, outbursts and they're irritable and they're angry, they may be suffering from depression. We don't know, you know, um, something very interesting that I, that I was able to see at this training that I was at about the development of, you know, um, of infants from ages zero to three, they put up a picture of, you know, the brains and how the brains develop. And you think about just the environment that the healthy child was in, the brain was bigger, it was more filled out. Whereas the child who was in a unhealthy environment, you know, there was gaps and the brain was smaller. And you, you think about, you know, the, the brain, when you talk about depression, serotonin and different things that the brain don't produce when a child is depressed, you know, because that's our coping mechanism. You know, you're coming from an environment where, you know, a child has is, is been neglected to have adverse childhood experiences. The anxiety, the depression is there. You know, we see that, you know, and then we're wondering why, you know, the child is struggling in school. We're wondering why they can't sit still. We wonder why they're having ac academic difficulties. Well, they're not healthy in the mental health realm. And so if I ignore that and then expect that, that child is going to get better. Does that happen? No. I can paddle that child. I can send that child to ISS. You know, I can do all these things, but I'm not addressing the underlying issues. And so we really have to have these conversations about mental illness and and, and just talk about it. Um, one thing that, that that I'm going to 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 try to accomplish this summer is become certified to teach mental health first aid. And so mental health first aid is a program where you just go over mental health terms. You know, you do that with teachers, counselors. You know, we did it with school resource officers, but also offer that to parents. Um, I really like, you know, I, I would like to do some type of campaign with some of our providers and some of our agencies to to set up so parents and the community can come out and we can try to break down these walls of taboo and stigma. And, and so people, you know, and just let people know what services are out there. A lot of people don't know what services are out there. Even those who, you know, they're, they're very aware of the issues. You know, they, they don't really care about the taboo and the stigma. They just want to know how can I get help for my children, myself, or someone in my family. And so I think it'd be good that if I can collaborate with some of the agencies that I already partnered with to have like a mental health fair, you know, um, to try to help out. So yes, ma'am, you know, living in, you know, rural Alabama, being on top of Sand Mountain Bible Belt, um, you know, we still do see the stigma and we still do see the taboo. Uh, you know, if I don't talk about it, it's not there or it don't exist. That does not make the problem go away. You know, it's like sweeping, you know, trash up on the rug. Well, you're going to eventually trip up on the, up, up over right. that rug eventually, yeah. you know, if you don't start pulling that stuff out and getting to the heart of the issue. Well, going back to kind of what you're talking about, what the academics, the, you know, maybe missing school. There's so many things that can come out of, you know, a kid that is struggling, mm -hmm. a family that is struggling. So what I'm hearing you say is until you tackle actually the core issue, which 
could be a million different things, but, you know, until our emotional well-being, you know, if we, we feel physically and emotionally healthy, well, mm-hmm. and safe, we're going to suffer in multiple areas. Yes, right? ma'am. That is very yeah. correct. You know, we look at, you know, the whole person, you know, we talk about being physically healthy, talking about being, you know, emotionally healthy, um, um, spiritually healthy. So, you know, if I only address just my physical health, I mean, I, I, I feel like if I have depression, that's going to affect me physically, you know, at some point in time. Well, it does. It does. I mean, uh-huh. I'm not going to be able to get up a bit. I'm not right. going to have the energy. I'm just going to be tired. So, you know, we have to look at every single aspect when we're talking about our students and why they're not successful, you know, versus the students who are successful. And what you talked about, the brain imaging, that that just shows how, I mean, our brains mm-hmm. are affected and even more of a reason why it's so important to be, you know, like you said, have awareness, you know, um, inform parents and inform our communities, inform these, the school system, how just important, important. and how mm-hmm. necessary it is that our kids learn and are nurtured and in these emotional ways. And, and I do feel like our kids are getting a lot, have a lot better understanding mm-hmm. about mental and emotional needs. My kids and other kids I talk to, they'll say, Hey, I'm, you know, I see a counselor. I, you know, I had to take this medication. Right. I mean, there it's, it's an everyday, you know, common language. And, right. you know, I'm not trying to promote medication for everybody, but right. my, my point being is they're not, I don't think as ashamed of it as what adults are. And so right. I think just having the conversation, normalizing the issues is key. I'll go back to a story that, um, you know, me and one of my my friends shared. Uh, He was talking about his brother, you know, was ADHD all day long. We we went to the same church and, you know, he couldn't focus in school. He couldn't do his work. He was always losing his work. He was up and down out of his seat, you know, bugging other people. I mean, textbook attention deficit disorder, you know. But of course, you know, parents were not going to take him to the doctor to get the diagnosis. You know, they had, you know, the, the pastor pray for him. Of course, you know, mom's like, I'm going to whip this out of you, spank this out of you. Uh-huh. You know, she, she spanked him. Of course, the problem never solved. And so, when we laugh about that type of stuff, you know, to say, as you say, like this generation of kids, they're more knowledgeable about mental illness and they're more accepting of speaking to a counselor. Um, they're more accepting of taking medication if they see the benefit of the medication helping them to be successful, you know, in life. So um, needless to say, this young man knows he's ADHD now. And so we have a good laugh about that, but (laughs) that's the mentality that, you know, the older generation has, um, you know, and, and even some of, you know, people my age, you know, just, they're just hesitant to use medication. You know, they was like, well, I don't want to make that a crutch for my child. And I'm like, well, if it's going to help your child be successful, is that really a crutch? Um, you know, um, and just to give them things to think about. Um, so, you know, I, I do see a change, you know, in, in like you said about the younger generation, but there, there's still that hesitancy 
to say, okay, I'm going to give my child, you know, medication to help them with depression, anxiety. You know, it's like suck it up, buttercup. You know, everybody gets sad. Everybody gets depressed. You know, you'll be okay. You'll get past this. Well, no, everybody's not going to get past it. Sometimes we need medication to help us. And therapy. And and therapy, yeah. Coping skills. I mean, you know, I think, too, it's one of the problems that we – sometimes just want to stick a pill to it or mm-hmm. just take them to a counselor. But sometimes that means changing the child's lifestyle, doing right. some major, the family's lifestyle. You know, there's things that we can, av- we can avoid what, you know, it's, it goes back to education, mm-hmm. awareness. I mean, sometimes it doesn't have to go to that extent, but you know, once again, that's where we want to tap into these community resources to just help us. And we all need help. Let's we're both parents. We know how hard it is. Every child is different. It's just it's we have to learn right how to handle all the situations that and, come and, up. And let me say this, you know, going back to that situation where I talked about the developments of the brains and that was a strictly environmental circumstance. Um, most kids learn to cope. Why? How? Through their parents. How the parents cope. So if we have situations where, you know, the home life is not you know, there's no abuse or no neglect. There's no reason to, you know, get any agency involved. But we know that it's just an unhealthy environment for the child. You know, we try to, like you said, we can teach that child coping skills. We can teach that child how to, you know, to try to deal with some of the issues. Um, but the key to the matter is, is really getting the parents involved, involved and educating them about their lifestyle or their environment and how it impacts the child. Um, you know, as a parent, I always want to do the best I can to parent my child, my children. Uh, so if I'm not doing something, please educate myself. You know, I'm going to read books. You know, I'm going to go to people who are more, you know, um, seasoned as parents or wiser than parents, you know, people who, you know, have more, you know, knowledge. And, you know, so to help me, why would I not want to do that? I mean, um, you know, even to the, to the fact that, you know, when I remember when I first started working at DHR, you know, and I didn't have kids and people would point that out, well, you don't even have kids. You know, how are you going to tell me how to raise? And that's legitimate. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I work with kids all day long. I can tell you, okay, you know, spanking your kid, you know, with this object is not beneficial to your child. Whereas maybe sitting down and talking to your kid about the problem first and addressing the issue first, you know, not yelling and screaming so the child can actually hear what's going on. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, the more information we can get out in the community to parents and making them more aware, it's going to be a healthier um, environment for our kids. And, and of course, you know, like I said, you know, medication, therapy, you know, coping skills, education, it all works together. Um, you know, and, and one thing that I always like about our psychiatrists is that medication is not the first thing that they go to, you know, but some kids need it. If you're dealing with, you know, um, you're clinically depressed and your brain is not producing serotonin, they can explain that to you. A kid who's ADHD I mean, without that medicine, they cannot focus. I mean, you cannot focus. You know, but a kid who's dealing with anxiety, okay, we can teach them coping skills. You know, a kid who's just overwhelmed, you know, and and having panic attacks, well, we can see what are the triggers that cause you to have these. Can we start coping before you're triggered to have a panic attack? Can you separate yourself? So there's so much information out there now. There's so much knowledge out there. 
But how do we connect the dots and how do we get that to the people who actually need it? You know? Yeah. So I, I actually was, I'm, you kind of answer what I was going to ask is just how much of, you know, our children, you know, our, our own health, whether it's parents, caregivers, teachers, people, mm. you know, that they're coaches, I mean, whoever your children comes in contact with on a regular basis, mm-hmm. there is a direct effect to, to that child. Right. So right. our health is very primary right. to, the, to them being healthy. Right. Well, if you can't take care of yourself, how can you take care of someone else? If, if you are, you know, um, dealing with your own mental health and mental illnesses and you're not getting it treated, it's not only going to impact you, it's going to impact your children, it's going to impact your household. So, you know, being very aware of the things that you are dealing with, you know, and making sure that you're our mental health and our physical health and our emotional health is good is very, you know, paramount. And so I definitely would agree with that. You know, it's, it's once again, it's interesting when I do, you know, um, evaluations with parents and they're aware that they have mental illness, but it's never been diagnosed, you know, but they also don't want their children to go through the same things that they're going, went through in their lives. Cause they can, they can tell you like, I did the same thing. You know, I went through the same thing, you know, and I don't want my kids to go through the same thing. So I applaud parents for that. You know what I'm saying? It's brave it and is. courageous. It is. It's very brave and courageous, mm-hmm. you know, but I've also seen where, you know, had conversations where, you know, parents have been very concerned about what their parents would say about their kids actually getting treatment, you know. And so that tells you the story that even Maybe they approach their parents, you know, and say, hey, listen, I'm dealing with something and that they did not have the type of support, you know, mm-hmm. when during their childhood. So and that's where it's and I don't think that what you're trying to say is that we're, we're not trying to shame parents here no, because it no, is hard. No, but no. like it goes back to it's OK not to be OK because okay we be all okay. have those those right. times. But to seek the treatment, seek the help, right. get in touch with somebody that can help us help right. our child. And there's nothing wrong with that. Actually, that's. Right very it's, it's the best thing you can do for your whole family and our job is not to ever to, to make anybody feel embarrassed or ashamed our job is to educate people and and sometimes normalize like listen mm-hmm. you know um i can understand that you know because um in a situation and i'll just be very honest about my situation because it's my situation uh, my son is adhd and, you know, I um, am a mental health service coordinator, but I've been doing telepsychiatry for 12 years with Dr. Point and Dr. Olson and, you know, doing therapy. Uh, my wife, you know, we talked about that and she was not on board with medication. She's like, well, let's 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 not do that yet. But, you know, the doctors, the teachers and everybody's like, well, you know, you do the bash forms, the assessment scales and you send that into the doctor. So it says he's ADHD. So he's on medication for that now. You know, that's discussions that you have to have. You have to be honest and be frank. You know, and my wife won't mind us having me talking about that because it helps my son to focus, to help him. But I can tell when he doesn't take his medication and also, you know. And so, um, you know, anything as a parent, you know, let's just be honest. If something's going to help my child be successful, why would I withhold it? Right. You know? Right. Um but I do understand that there may be issues that the parents have dealt with in their past that they are very um, hesitant to use a controlled substance, you know, for their, their child. But our psychiatrists and our 
um, our mental health professionals are very aware of those issues. You know, if you give the history and say, okay, there's things that we can do to alleviate those concerns. We can give kids things that are non habit forming. And I'm not here just to talk about medication. When we talk about mental illness, you know, maybe, you know, once again, that if a child is ADHD and it's not to the level of um, needing medication, maybe the teachers just need to move the child closer to the room, have, you know, the, the, the steps written down where the child can check off. So there's ways, you know, you can work with a kid who have, who's, who's dealing with mental illness without medication. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. And I was just sitting here thinking while you're talking, we're, we're talking about kids that are having obvious mm-hmm. issues, behavior issues, right, emotional right. issues. So what about the kids that we don't know about mm. that hold it in mm. that are not, you know, the ones that you're having to deal with often, you know, I, I have that concern that, you know, we need to be teaching, teaching these things to all the all kids, kids because there are those kids that are going to get missed. So we have a program. Um, actually, I have the shirt on today. Uh, Rhythm loves serving Alabama's mental health service coordinator. Oh, yeah. Tell us about Rhythm. So Rhythm is a social emotional learning program. Okay. It is a check-in program. So what happens with that, there's five questions that the kid has to answer in regards in regards to their social and emotional well-being for today. It's recommended that they do it first thing in the morning. So, you know, if you have a kid who's just said, like you said, they're not showing any of the behaviors or they're not coming to the Mr. Washington's attentions, but they may be sad, right? They may be sad. What they do is, is that if they're being honest, they just check that I'm sad. So if you got a kid who's sad, you know, all week, that's going to be flagged. So those kids will come to our knowledge, you know, or a kid who's hungry, you know, mm-hmm. um, I hadn't eaten anything. So we know about those kids, um, a kid who's, you know, just agitated, you know, that I'm agitated, you know. And so they may not act out. They You may not see it on their face, their expression, but rhythm does capture that data for us. And so you can not the point of that is for kids not to fall the gaps and the teachers will actually have that information and the teachers can check on that child and then refer that child to the school counselor and even you know even and if it needs to come to my awareness then the school counselor principal can contact me but the great thing about rhythm also is chief teachers can do a check-in and let people know how they feel um, if they're overwhelmed, they can say that, you know. And I can say why they uh, would be. <laughs> <laughs> but they can do that. Yeah. And so the principal and the school counselor can go check on that teacher and say, hey, listen, are you okay? Is there something we can do for you? Because once again, if a teacher's overwhelmed, you know, they're human, you know. If they have things going on and their mental health is not good, how can they teach a class full of kids? So. I think rhythm is a is a great application. I'm not selling it. I'm just you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sold me. So how long is how long have y'all incorporated this into the school? Rhythm. This is our first year using rhythm, and so and y'all found it helpful. It's it is very helpful. The data is very helpful. Yeah. Um, but once again, you know, um, trying to get everybody to use it and be consistent. You know, I have twelve schools, and so you know, some you know. Um, use it daily then some you know just because it's you know you got testing you got different things going on 
Um, and so it get hectic. So what I want to do is say, okay, I understand that. But the first thing the kids need to do is to do their check-in. I mean, I know there's testing, field trips, and all that type of stuff, and kids are excited. But what if a kid is sad on that day of that field trip, you know, right. and we don't get that information. Right. So so talking about you and what is the other social workers? Emily Hidden. Emily Hidden. Yes. Okay, so y'all were over the 12 schools. Yes, ma'am. Going back to what Nathaniel Ledbetter has helped pass mm-hmm. in, in regards to the social workers, well, how – how long is this going to take? Do we have any kind of timeline as far as when we're going to start seeing one in every school? Well, let, let me let me kind of. So the mental health service coordinator um, serves a district. Mm-hmm. OK, that's separate than the social work position. So social workers are just we're social workers. But the mental health service coordinator serves when I say a district. So the Cap County District comprises of 12 schools. Okay, so I'm one to 12 schools. So like Fort Payne has, you know, they have the high school, they have a middle school, Little Ridge and Wills. So they have four schools. So Kayla McAbee serves the four schools. Now, the numbers are big at Fort Payne because it's a 6A school. So, you know, whereas, you know, we have Valley Head, which is a 1A school. Then we have, you know, Crossville, which is a, uh, I think it's a 6A school, maybe 5A school. So, you know. There's one of me. There's one of Kayla. Um, you to go down to Huntsville schools. There's one mental health service coordinator for the Huntsville schools. There's a lot of schools to serve. So what is ideal in my mind, it's having one per school, mm-hmm. you know, or having a social worker per school. Now, how long that's going to take, I can't tell you. Um you know, hopefully, um, you know, people will see the need that we're meeting, but also see the need that we need more mental health professionals, more social workers, more um, school-based mental health therapists in the school systems. Um, you know, that's one thing I will mention that we have a partnership with CD Mental Health, and they provide a school-based mental health therapist in the school system, and that's Miss Jones. But that's one of her to 12 schools. And so that's a lot, you know, that's a lot. Um, but once again, you know, you have to start somewhere. And so this is a start. I, we really appreciate, you know, Representative Ledbetter for seeing the need yes. and, and definitely, you know, being an advocate for mental health in our district, in our state and for our kids. So, I mean, I mean, that's critical. Um, um, but, you know, whenever you start something, you want to build on it. And that's what we've been able to do. Like I said, when I first started, I don't remember there was not a mental health service court or where there was not funding for a mental health service coordinator for every district or LEA, um, local education um, association um, in Alabama. But now we have funding for every district. So that's a good thing. So that's, that's a huge step. That's a huge step. But like so, you said, we can just we can always get better and we always can improve. always grow. Yes, ma'am. And I'm I'm hopeful for that, aren't you? I'm very hopeful for that. Just think about if you know, even if there was just like, you know, let's just say six in DeKalb County, then that would be two per school, you know, and those two, um, you know, they can focus more on those school systems and not be so spread. 
and know the children better. Know the children better, exactly, yeah. and the community yeah. and the families mm-hmm. better. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very hopeful. Um, once again, um, you know, when I was in school, um, I wouldn't say, well, was there a need for for a mental health service coordinator? Was there a need for a social worker? You know, I mean, I don't know. I can't I go back and say yes, there was. You know, but in today's times, you know, like I said, once again, COVID was, I mean, the impact that COVID has, I don't know that we're going to see it for several years. You know, we already see it with kindergartners coming in and then from kindergartners last year, you know, um, or kindergartners who were during COVID but did not get to have that gear, you know, um, just them not being prepared and being ready. And so, you know, I still think we're going to see the results of that years and years to come. So, so yeah, so that's why we just need all the support. Yes. The more support, the better. And I was, I wanted to ask you in relation to support, talking to, could you just talk to parents, caregivers, grandparents, whoever, you know, or just the people that care for the kids in your life, whoever that might be to you. How can we support our kids emotionally? Is there any, like, just a couple tips that you could give give us just easy, practical tips? There's a great book called One, Two, Three Parenting that gives parents great tips about parenting, okay? Um, you know, the, the most... Uh, Someone told me this a long time ago when I worked at a detention center. Um, There's a lost art of people sitting down at a dinner table and talking to their kids. Because kids will tell you what they need if you are engaged and in tune to them. So the way I answer that question is speak to your kids, talk to your kids, and be ready to listen to them and be open to what they say to you. Not that you have to agree with it, but at least you are listening to them mm-hmm. and hearing their concerns and their voices. Um, in today's society, kids are more likely to talk to a peer or get the information off of the Internet. Yeah. You know, let's open up the lines of communication once again between parent and child or guardian and child and be more, you know, you know, the word support, the word support is to be there, the support. Once again, not that you agree with what your child is saying, not that you are going to understand some of the language they're using, you know, um, because they have their own language. (laughs) So, but it, it gives opportunity to open up lines of dialogue and let a child to explain hey, listen, this is what I mean. This is what I'm saying. And so I have to do that with my own kids, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I have a two-year-old, I have a 10-year-old, and I have a 15-year-old. And, um, of course, you know, the 10-year-old, he thinks he's a philosopher, so I have to sit there and listen to him tell me his philosophy on life. But I listen to it, you know, and I have to ask him questions about it. My 50-year-old, you know, I have to sit down and ask her, you know. So, you know, even as a therapist, even as a my most important job is being, you know, there for my children and available for them to know that, hey, listen, dad is here you know i know that he works with kids i know you know my daughter's like you're very popular i'm like what she's like people know mr washington i'm like i don't serve fort Payne schools but anyway i see a lot of the kids you know from fort Payne because they they know who i'm uh, who i am 
but I'm like, but I'm your dad, you know, right. you have access to me 24 seven anytime, you know. And hey, that's so, the hardest job right there. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It is. Being it is. a parent is hard, it you is. know. And so I want to encourage parents, you know, um, stay the course, you know, just because you feel like things are not going the way you feel like they're going, you're there. Be available for your children. Sit down and talk to them. Listen to them. You know, um, once again, there's all kind of reading material um, that you can use, you know, but just listening to your your children and listening to your well, you were talking about the rhythm. Mm-hmm. If we just did that with our kids, right? Just it's a, a check-in, check- right? It's a check-in. Ain't that right? Yeah. A daily check-in. And you can check in, I mean, like after they get into school, after they yeah. come home from school, check in before they go to bed. Uh-huh. And so um, kids, they respond to that. They like that. They like to know mom and dad want to know what's Even if they don't on. want to answer. Even if they don't want to answer. It's ask. nice to know. Ask. That's right. Because... Ask. And you I don't know have I have to, kids. They usually don't, don't want to answer. <laughs> and you don't have to pry it out of them, you know? Right. And you can just say, okay, well, I'm here, you know? Or they'll talk on their own time They'll later. talk on their own time, right, so. Okay, um, good tip. Good tip. So talking about parents, too, like just like you said, when things are not going, when when we do have those struggles, because we're all going to have those struggles with our mm-hmm. kids, is I just think it's important to, once again, not blame yourself. Can't, yeah. But seek help for those that can help you, help your children. Right. They're out there. Tap into those resources because they are there. You've named several. I think one thing that, that I will say, and I'm so reminded of that one of the other mental health coordinators in one of the counties that they um, had a, a, a parent, you know, parent meeting and they talked to parents about family game night, uh, which is something that, you know, my son loves Monopoly because, you know, he loves the the gaining and acquire property. But, man, so much conversation comes from those games. You may be tired as a parent because we're working, everybody's working, everybody got responsibilities they do. You know, we're talking about sports and kids uh, you know, playing softball and playing, you know, T-ball and all these things, basketball. And so, you know, but the art of sitting down and playing a game with your child, and there's so many games that can help your child develop, and that builds relationship. It opens up lines of communication. They reveal so much in that time of a game night. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right about that. You know what I'm saying? And so we think about practical things that we can do I mean, how how much is a, a a game a connect for at Walmart? You know, to go invest in that, you know, and just sit down and, and play that game with your child, and just you know have that time and talk over that. And so, you know, there are things that we can do, you know, in lieu of therapy and counseling. Now, there may be a time where you need a therapist to mediate the conversation, you know, um, but if some of the other things are not tried first at home. Because that's begin it begins in the home, right? And so there are things that you can do. Um, you know, and, and with smaller kids reading, you know, reading a book, um, um, the cat in the hat, um, you know, I have a book of, you know, like a lot of different social stories, but I mean you can just pick books to read 
and spend that time. And it helps your child develop. It builds bond, it builds trust, and it builds relationship with your child. So, you know, that's something like with my two-year-old that we do. You know, my 10-year-old, he's, you know, he's a little bit older. And so he has his own books he wants to read, which, you know, we, we've kind of grown out of the phase of reading to him. But our two-year-old, that's what she looks forward to, is sitting down and reading the book with us. And and it's, and it's amazing because they, they, they learn the pattern, you know. Um, and so just taking time to do those things and being mindful that, you know, we are there, you know, the word support, support, support. We all need support. You know, our kids need support. But the love and the appreciation that you get back, you don't do it for that, but the, they'll show it to you. Like, man, it's, it's well worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, so anyway. It just goes back to time, mm-hmm. check-in, listening. Those, listening. Yeah. those go very, very far, don't you think? I think. Yes, ma'am. We need that for ourselves. Our kids need it. They need it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really meant to ask you this in the beginning, but <laughs> I want to end on this note. <laughs> we just went right into it. Um, where does your passion come from for social work? How? What? What brought you into that field of work? Wow. Um, okay, so when I started, you know, at Northeast, I was actually into computer science because I loved computers. Um, but I love running my mouth and talking <laughs> to people. I just enjoy talking to people. And I can remember, you know, talking to one of my advisors and, I really don't like sitting at a computer trying to learn how to program and write languages and stuff. I was like, I'm more of a people's person. And so uh, when I went to Auburn, you know, I was still kind of undecided. And and one of the advisors said, well, why don't you do an internship, you know, at Lee County Youth Development, uh, Lee County, I'm sorry, um, Boys and Girls Club. And so I said, okay, I can do that. I can do that. And so I went there, and um, they didn't have a recreational um, director at the time, so they put me out there. And the kids love, they man, they love to play basketball. That's all they want to do. But I would, you know, in, you know, introduce them to playing games like checkers and chess, and teach them how to play. Of course, some picked it up more than others. Some like, when are we gonna play basketball, Mister Washington? We taught them volleyball and different things. And so, um, and someone was like, "You're just good with people." You're just good. And so um, I had a, there was another young lady who was in a social work program. She's like, you might need to try social work out. And so I did. And so from that point, um, because that was actually like a intro to social work practicum, something I can't remember the name of the class. So social work is stuck. And um, um, I wouldn't have never thought that, but it's, it's where I am. Um, uh, and um yeah, sound maybe, like a good fit. It, it a better is. fit. Maybe I should stay with computers, I don't know, but uh, it is I'm sure it you is. have those days like, oh, sitting with a computer would be nice. But you would not have all the look, you've got all the people contact you could ever dream of now. Like you well, like your kid said, you're popular. Um, <laughs> Everybody knows you. Well, I don't know if that's a good thing. But um <laughs> but no, I, I would not change it. I, I think, you know, I think about the wisest man. Um, Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, there's a time and a season and there's a purpose for all things. And I think that this is just my purpose. And I have a appointed season to help people. 
And um, if I'm able to help somebody, then that's what I want to do. Um, when not, then it, it does, it wears on me because I, I like to see people achieve their goals. I like to see people do well, kids, you know, families. And so it's just the heart that I have, you know. Um, but but no, that's I'll, I'll say that's how I got into social work. I didn't know what a social worker was. Well, know? I didn't either. I feel like that was one of those – I met one person that was social mm-hmm. work, and I was like, man, like I, I like the idea of helping right. people. And, but I don't feel like it was a job that was presented much. Presented, yeah. We're probably about the same age, you know. Well, and then I'll tell you, and we didn't get to do this this year, but there were several high school kids who wanted to go into social work, and I really wanted to take them to the different agencies like CAC, DHR, you know, hospice. We don't think about social workers in hospice, hospital you know, health department, social workers. So just to show them some of the things that I've experienced in my career that, you know, it's just not working at DHR, you know, no, Which no. is what most people think. Right, that's what most people think. Uh-huh. Um, but no, there's great opportunity for social workers because we're in the helping fields, helping people. And it's a very difficult field. Um, you know, it's like a pastor, you know, it's a ministry, I say. I mean, um, because you sow so much into people and you sow so much into situations. And and sometimes when people sow into someone, you want to see growth immediately. No, I tell people it's a process. You know, it's a process being patient with people. Uh, but it's so fulfilling, you know, when you see people you work with years and years ago and they can come up to you. Um, the other day I was um, – I was – at a restaurant getting something to eat. And I, I saw a father who I knew. I knew him. But there was a young man with him. I quite didn't recognize him. I I saw the child who he was, but he'd grown up. And I kept staring at him. He stared at me. He did he, he gave that little wave. And I you know kind of mumbled his name. He's like, and he came over and I mean he's a grown man, basically. And he was just telling me how well he was doing. He was working with his father and, you know, all the things he's accomplished. And he's like, you know, when you came in my life, I didn't appreciate it. He's like, but, man, it was such needful. And I just couldn't help but smile because I know all the things that the family went through, that he went through, the stresses and stuff. But to see him. Be successful. Be successful. Yeah. And overcome and smiling. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's multiple stories multiple that you'll stories. never you'll never know. Yeah, that I'll never know, right? No, but, but those little like, tidbits probably yes, get, keep you going. It does. Yeah. It just refills the gas tank. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh man, you doing this for a reason? There's well, a I'm so glad. So you left you left the idea of sitting with a computer and took that took that job Lee County because that really changed your life's course. And and yeah. I just want to just thank you for. Being you and doing the work that you do, and like you said, for all this, all the schools, our community, we benefit. We, you're awesome, and we need more of you. And that's what I'm hopeful that we get. Well, thank you, Monica, and I really appreciate you, and um, really thank you for for having me here and giving me an opportunity to speak about mental health. I'm, you know, 
yeah, you're right. I'm passionate about it. Uh, there's other people, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists who can speak a whole lot more. Um, but I really hope that, you know, this platform given will give opportunity to bring more community awareness to parents because they're the ones, like you said, who, who really need to support. And, you know, if, if there's a parent out there who hears this, listen, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. Be encouraged. Don't give up. Stay the course. You know, whatever we can do to help, you know, I can do to help. I'll, I'll try my best to be that. And so that's the key. That's the key. Just knowing people, you're there connecting the dots with yep. people. So anyway. Well, what a great way to end. It, just telling people we're not alone. Thank God. And we have people there to help us yeah. and here to help us. And so that's a very encouraging, hopeful note to end on. And I just thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This podcast represents the views and opinions of Monica Patton and her guests. Its content is presented for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only, and should not be taken as medical, psychological, or legal advice. Please contact a professional for specific questions. This content does not represent any place of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information shared is accurate, comments, suggestions, or correction of errors are welcome.